Welcome to Watch Therefore. Our Savior Jesus told us to watch for His coming, and the signs that He spoke of are all around us, shouting, Watch Therefore, and be ready. So join me, Dove Schwartz, as we learn to watch and prepare for the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now today's program was recorded at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom in Pearland, and I'd like to invite all of our listeners in the Houston area to join us at Calvary Chapel in Pearland, where the Bible is taught line upon line, chapter upon chapter, book upon book, where prayer is a priority and where fellowship is something we experience together as Jesus our Savior walks in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ray Jensen is the new pastor at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom, and the Lord has raised him up to lead this congregation in this critical hour just before the coming of Messiah Jesus. Listen today, and we pray you're blessed. Luke 22 and 21. He says, But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table, and truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves which one of them it was who would do this thing. Imagine being at the table here among this twelve. The first thing you're going to think of is, what am I doing? What have I done? I'm trying to think back over the things I've been doing. What have I, you know, man, what if he said this and you were there to hear that someone president will betray him? What's interesting here is that Judas's accountability and God's sovereign plan. Now, hang on to this. This gets deep. Judas's accountability and God's sovereign plan for Jesus' death are seen here together in the same event. Notice verse 22. It says that Jesus had to die as it had been determined. That means it's going to happen. It's going to go down like this. And so it was foretold long ago, prophesied that Jesus would have to die. This was something that had to go down because his death on the cross is the basis of salvation for all mankind. It's going to happen. However, people often try, they want to feel sorry for Judas. They want to try to make an excuse for him saying that he was made to betray Jesus in order for all this stuff to go down. It's like people think God forced Judas to fall into betraying Jesus so that this prophecy would kick on. People treat Judas like he had no choice in the matter, like he was bound to prophecy only. Jesus had to go to the cross, and Judas, therefore, was going to betray him for it, is what they think. That's not, the, that's not the case. Jesus said in verse 22, it says, But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Woe. That means lots of misery and distress. Judas was still accountable for his own actions. He was accountable for himself. In fact, later, the 11, they had to choose a replacement for Judas. And they said in Acts 1 and 24, it says, And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. Judas, by transgression, fell. Judas fell in sin. That was his choice to do it. You know, we are all accountable for our own sins. We are all accountable for what we do. Some people say, oh no, God ordained that to go down. He does ordain things, but that doesn't free you from the fact that you choose what you do. And it's hard to put that together. Well, if God's so in absolute control of everything, then that means I'm made to do things. No, you still have what's called free will. I don't know how to make these two arguments meet in the middle. It's hard. 
I just have to accept the fact sometimes God is infinite and I'm finite, okay? If you read the scriptures, we see Jesus was prophesied. He was going to go to the cross and Judas fell by transgression. He was, he was accountable for himself. Nobody can ever say the devil made me do it. You ever heard that? devil made me do it. Yes, Satan had entered into Judas. It says so. But here in Acts 1, it says Judas fell by transgression, which is sin. Judas chose. Judas was never a believer in Jesus as the Messiah, even though he was among the twelve. He was among the twelve. He never believed. And way back before all this come down, before we're at Luke 22, way, way back, Jesus said in John 6 and 7, very early in his ministry, he said that one of you guys is a devil. He said that from the start. One of you is a devil. It's not like nobody knew. Jesus knew before. Interesting there. Now, being among the twelve did not make Judas saved. Some people think Judas was saved because he was a disciple. No, it's still the same rules. You still have to accept Jesus as the Messiah. Make him Lord. Repent of your sin. You've got to obey him. All these things to be saved. <clears throat> it's like people saying, um, you know, he was one of the twelve, so Judas was saved. Well, you know, going to church don't make you saved either. I'm well aware that there could be people in this room that think they're saved and they're not. I, when I was teaching at a former church before, I was teaching, this one guy came up to me. He was always there. He was always among everybody. I could have sworn this guy was saved because he said all the right stuff. He always showed up. He was always involved. And one day he came to me and said, I cannot take this anymore. I'm living a lie and I cannot deal with this anymore. It hurts too much. And I said, what's the matter? He goes, I want to get saved and I don't know how. And the first thing that hit me was, you don't know how? Of all the times I've told you, you don't know how? And I led him to the Lord that night. But God dealt with me hard on this, on this night. He says, Ray, he goes, from now on, whenever you preach or teach or anything, always teach the gospel like somebody in the room's not saved. Never water it down. Preach like somebody in the room is lost because you don't know. Preach like somebody in the room is not saved. Okay, so that's why I lay it down like I do. I don't know where you are. I may know you well as a person, and there may be people that are living with that mask on that, I, that have me totally fooled, but you know what? Doesn't matter. I'm going to put the gospel down in front of you like maybe you're not. You cannot go to eternal life. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. That means He's the boss. It means you do what He says. That means you have to give up your life the way you would like to have it and start doing what He tells you, even if it doesn't make sense. That's being saved. Well, I might lose all my friends. I might lose all my money. I might lose the stuff I want to keep. Well, all right, that's fine. What does that hold a candle to, uh, against eternal life anyway? Do what the Lord says. Judas was one of the 12 disciples that did not save him. Only Jesus saves. If there's nothing else you hear tonight, hear this. Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus saves. Mm. On you, man. Okay? Y'all got that? <laughs> I want to show you something interesting in Luke 9.1. Now, this, this will really get you. Then he called his 11. What does it say? 12. He called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Think about it. Jesus gave power and authority to a man who would never believe in him. You ever seen that? He gave power and authority to somebody, Judas, who would never believe in him. It says 12. Power and authority, authority over all demons and cure diseases. Now imagine an unbeliever 
who would never be saved, having power given to him by the Lord over demons and diseases. That's quite a thought. Today, people think that if they have this authority or if they see someone out there doing something like this kind of authority, then surely they have to be saved. They have some kind of authority doing all this stuff. They've got to be saved. Now, I want to show you Matthew seven twenty one, And this ought to, forgive the terminology, this ought to scare the hell out of you. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name. You see that? And done many wonders in your name. Hey, Lord, we did all this stuff. We have to be saved. This is where Judas was. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Some of your Bible versions may say iniquity in place of lawlessness. It's the same thing. It's sin. He said, depart from me. He says, I don't know you. A lot of people think, well, I know Jesus. I'm saved. Yeah? I know the President of the United States, too. I mean, I know who Barack Obama is. If he walked in the room, I'd go, hey, that's Barack Obama. But I can't go to the White House and say, I'm here to see the President. Well, you're not on the list. So, I know him. They'll say, but he don't know you. You can't come in. Jesus says that he has to know you. It's not you knowing him, it's him knowing you. Which means you got to let him in. So here's Judas, he knows Jesus, Jesus don't know him. I mean, he knows him to the extent of a betrayer, but he did not submit to Jesus as Lord and Savior. So you got this guy, here's Judas, a man who had once been given power and authority over demons and healing, but he is practicing lawlessness by betraying Jesus. Wow. Some people ask Ray, how can you biblically prove that Judas was an unbeliever? Well, duh, he betrayed, he betrayed Jesus. What more do you need? Jesus said he was a devil. That ought to give you another clue. But remember also, and now this comes back to an applying to us. Jesus said you cannot, cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon is money and everything that it buys. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And what did Judas get for betraying Jesus? Money. Who did he really serve? Wasn't God. He served money. He did this to gain 30 pieces of silver, I believe. Judas wanted money. He did not want Jesus. He used Jesus as an opportunity. Jesus said you can't serve both God and money. You will love one and despise the other. So therefore, if Judas loved money, that means he despised Jesus Christ. And the same goes for us here in America. All of you who think you're going to heaven, but your true desire, if it's in money, I'm telling you, you're in just as much trouble as Judas is here. And just as willing to turn on Jesus as Judas did. If you love money, you will turn on Jesus for the first amount of money you can make in a heartbeat. Why? Because his God was money. Now, I could go all night on that subject, but man, I got to move on. Christian, God is to be your God, not your money. Don't act like Judas did here. Again, for us men, if I could just get a little more money, I could fix my problems. Oh, God, I pray you drop that way of thinking real quick. Repent of that fast. That'll lead you down a bad, bad path because as soon as you get this big opportunity, you will walk so far from righteousness, it'll be a wonder we ever get you back. As Jesus said in verse 22, Woe to him, 
Judas was responsible for his own actions. We are responsible for our own actions as well. You are responsible for your own sins that you commit. If you're saved, then you were even responsible for repenting and accepting Jesus' gift of salvation in order to be saved. Salvation is not automatic. I can't tell you how many people think salvation is automatic. Everybody thinks they're going to heaven. They're out there getting drunk, doing drugs, doing all the things they do. Jesus is not their Lord. They don't find Jesus anywhere near someone they should obey. But, oh man, when I die, I'm going to heaven. Salvation's not automatic. You have to repent. You have to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, the boss. So can I remind you right now what a good time it is to get right with Jesus Christ? Now, Luke 22 and 24. Now, there was also a dispute among them as to which one of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I'm among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. You know, isn't it just something how Jesus tells them a traitor is among them, and then they all start arguing about which which one of them is the boss. All of a sudden, they get in this squabble. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. You know, I'm a firm believer of what the Bible says, that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of sin gets in there. It messes the whole group. It spreads fast. That's why repentance and forgiveness is such a big deal. It snuffs out the sin quickly, especially among a body of believers. When there's one guy in the room that comes in sinning willfully amongst a body of believers, it gets into everybody in a flash. There's a traitor here who's going to betray me, and now they're squabbling. Just like that. I mean, bam. That's why sin has to be dealt with quickly. Quickly. Jesus talked about if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Be as ruthless with sin as you have to, to get it out of your life. It doesn't hurt just you. It hurts the very ones you love that you say you'd never harm. Be ruthless about it. And so Jesus tells them a traitor's among them. They get in a debate with each other. Jesus told them that such things like this is like the pagans. When he said like the Gentiles, pagans do this stuff. Hey, quit acting like them is kind of what he was getting at. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. The followers of Jesus should not think like this. Who is greater? Title, rank, position. Don't we do that here in America? Especially in America. We do that pretty bad. And it all boils down to one thing. Selfish gain, doesn't it? Rather than wanting to be the greatest, Jesus' followers should want to be the one who serves others for their gain instead of serving self for self-gain. I've had people ask me before, Ray, how do you know if I'm living in a way that pleases God or not? How do I know if I'm living in such a manner that's pleasing to God? My question back to them is this. Are you striving for your own gain or are you striving for others' gain? If everything you do is based on you being greater, if everything you do is based on you becoming 
climbing up that ladder and becoming more awesome than you are, then yeah, you're not in God's will. You're in trouble. That's a good indicator right there. If what you do is for serving others in God's will, then you're probably doing pretty good. You're probably doing good. Now, I've had people over-spiritualize things when they consider maybe making a job change or a career move or something of that matter. They ask me to pray that God will show them what to do. So then I ask them, is the change for you or is it for other people? Is the job move for you to make more money for you to keep for yourself? To have more things and more stuff and bigger cars, better house and all the swimming pool, whatever? Or are you going into this move with the intention of being a representative of Jesus to whoever he places you with? If you move to a new job, you're going to get new co-workers, new people that you don't know. Are you going into that with the mindset, I've got the opportunity to represent Jesus to people I've never met that I would have never met any other way? The money is just a side thing. If you have that kind of a mentality about your life, God will give you the rest. Seek first this kingdom and I'll give you the rest of the stuff, he said. So I kind of communicate that to people. What's it about? Is it about you or others? Most of the time, the answer I get is that people are looking to move so they can make more money. More money, more money, more stuff. They don't tithe. They don't serve other people in any way. Their every angle in life is about how they can gain more stuff for them. Jesus said that lording over others, that's how pagans act. He said that's how unbelievers act. That's what he was saying to them. Jesus, the king of kings, if you think about it, the king of kings, he was among the disciples as one who serves in a lowly way. You know, Jesus didn't ask somebody else to go to the cross. He went to the cross. He didn't come down right now, I'm God. I'm going to get the best of the best of the best of the best guy, the top pinnacle of all humanity that I can find. I'm going to have that guy go to the cross. Nobody could do it. Jesus went and did it. That's how far he got down for us in lowliness to serve us. And Jesus is telling them, you're, trying to, you're acting like pagans. You're acting like unbelievers. You're talking about who's better. He goes, I'm with you and I served you. That's how you're to be. So you go to your job place or whatever it is you do, go in there with the intention of representing Jesus Christ to them. Even that guy that pushes your buttons that you just can't stand. Serve that guy. Serve him. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about, right? Oh, yes, I do. I used to be somebody, I mean, that you would not have liked if you'd have known me a long time ago. And when I got saved and I went in, I'm going to represent Jesus Christ. He put me with a co-worker that was exactly who I used to be. And he irritated me to death. I couldn't stand this guy. And God goes, that was you. Jesus' disciples should desire to be like Jesus. Servants. And you know, you know you're a real servant when somebody talks to you like one and you're okay with it. And he just talked down on me. Yeah, you're supposed to put yourself below them. Well, that was wrong for them to do it. Fine, that was wrong for them. Don't let it be wrong for you too. Be a servant. Luke 6, 31. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. The way you want people to treat you, you do it to them. And it doesn't say only after they do it to you first. It just says that's the way you're supposed to be. Jesus is telling these guys, it's not about who's greatest. Y'all need to stop that. That's like unbelievers there. You need to be about serving other people. I can just hear people thinking, yeah, I will as soon as they give me respect first. They respect me, then I'll respect them. Oh, that's just the American way of thinking, isn't it? That's not what the Bible says. Do to others as you'd want them to do to you first, especially if they don't deserve it. Why? Because we never deserved eternal life, did we? 
I've been marked for eternal salvation. I didn't deserve it. Why did Jesus give it to me? Because he loves me. And so if you're not willing to be a servant to other people, you don't love. And if you don't love, then what are you? Are you a disciple of Christ? Man, if you've got, you got the Holy Spirit in you, it's going to well up. That's what he said. You get the Holy Spirit, he comes up and he wells up like a fountain. You know, that old faithful geyser when it goes off once an hour or whatever in Yellowstone or wherever it's at, it just sprays it and just gets up and gets all over the place. You can't contain it. So when you go to work, just splatter all over everybody. Get the love of Jesus all over them. And you can't stop it. And it'll irritate them at first because it's so in opposition to the way they think. But eventually it'll come around they're like, what makes that guy so happy? You know, I had a guy come up to me, he goes, doesn't matter what happens to you, Ray, you're always happy. I don't get it. Makes no sense. He didn't understand it and he didn't like it. And finally, he got to the point of asking the question, whatever it is you got, I want to. And finally, I got to communicate the gospel message to him. I'm saved because Jesus paid a debt that I'd never be able to afford. I don't deserve it. I didn't have the the currency to, to buy my own salvation. He paid that debt for me. And so treating others the way Jesus treated me, that ought to be a small thing for us. You know how much you've been forgiven? You've been forgiven an eternity of condemnation. So if you've been forgiven an eternity of condemnation, what is it going to take for you to just forgive a coworker? You'll be friends with him in five minutes. I'm talking eternity versus five minutes. Jesus treated me like this. So I'm going to treat people like that. Let me wrap it up real quick. Jesus told them in verse 28 that they will have places of honor in the kingdom because they were with Jesus in his trials. They will fellowship with him and sit on thrones judging Israel's 12 tribes. Imagine being there and hearing this. You just got done arguing about who's going to be best and the biggest and the most awesome. I'm better than you. And then he diffuses it, not by snapping and, you know, slamming a a sledgehammer on your head, but he gives encouragement. I like this. Somebody wrongs you or does something that just irritates you, don't just slam them on the head. Encourage them. They probably need it. That's one way to serve them. So The way Jesus is answering them, he's serving them. We can do the same thing, too. He's telling them, you've been given a kingdom in God's kingdom. That's an argument stopper right there. I bet that really put them back to the proper perspective. I mean, it would have me. So let's take this for a moment and look at ourselves. Think about salvation in light of things that we strive for here. You've got an eternity somewhere. And if you want it to be in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to start thinking like a servant because that's what Jesus is for us, a servant. He went to die on the cross and praise God for that. Repent of the sin of yourself trying to do it yourself. Don't freak out that you can't get a hold of things. You're not, you're not intended to. Those things are built like that to get you to trust in the Lord so He can deal with it. Thanks for listening today, and please join me every day, Monday through Friday, unless our Lord Jesus returns for us this week. This program is listener-supported and depends on tax-deductible donations to stay on the air. Give to Watch Therefore and contact me through our website at watchtherefore.tv. You can also send tax-deductible donations to Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. Again, by the web, watchtherefore.tv, and mail... Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. You can also call me right now at 713-624-0943. That's 713-624-0943. Keep watching for Messiah Jesus.
This is John Peake with Israeli Self-Defense and Fitness. We are the new breed of martial arts and fitness designed to give you the understanding and skills to defend yourself and your family against an attack or threat by an armed or unarmed attacker or multiple attackers. We're an international organization led by former Israeli soldiers with a curriculum that is simple and effective. You owe it to yourself, family, and loved ones to be able to defend against any assault should the need arise. We are followers of Jesus Christ, led by His Holy Spirit to provide a safe and functional training environment to develop life-saving skills and increase your physical fitness beyond what you may think is possible. We offer group, private, and corporate training. Call today and mention KKHT to get a 10% discount on your membership. Remember, you owe it to yourself and loved ones not to be a victim. Visit us on the web at IsraeliSelfDefense.net or call 713-53-TRAIN. That's 713-538-7246 to get started today.